Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up, and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley, isn't it? And today we're discussing a movie from 2022, a new release available on Peacock, Beast. Beast. Did you know that this is a co-Icelandic production? Did you see that? No. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out like a lions and lambs kind of thing, but it's not working. And the lion will lay with the lamb what? in the field of our soul. What? Is that a Jesus song? Yeah. That's heaven, dude. When the lion lays with the lamb and they're all buddies. The Icelandic reference, of, of course, comes from the movie we just reviewed, Lamb, for the Halloween season. You know, have you ever seen the meme where Dwayne The Rock Johnson, like it's like four four frames and he's wearing a khaki outfit and the thing says like, this is four different movies. <laughs> Apparently he like lives in the jungle and wears khaki outfits all the time. Um, Idris Elba maybe has a thing for Beast movies. What are the Beast movies he done? Beasts of No Nation. Oh. And so I was trying to think yeah. of a title tie-in for that one as well. Beasts of Idris Elba. Yeah. Beasts of Burden. The Edge. With a lion. Jurassic Safari Park. <laughs> yes, totally Jurassic World, South Africa edition. But it definitely knew that, too, because she was wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, he, they were just making the statement that they were aware, the filmmakers. Yeah, this this film, I don't think, puts on airs. It doesn't pretend to be something brand new. No, this movie is what it is. Made possible by CG, and I was hoping we could just get it out of the way. Can you just get your cgi gripes out of the way now you know honestly i had a real concern we did the poachers uh cold open and oh there's a lion out there the ghost in the darkness style and then it was like rah and leapt right at the camera like jaws on the camera and i was like they're doing that effect come on that's like a bad movie closing shot that's like a necessary monster movie shot i don't like it trailer shot and i really thought that was going to be bad and then charlotte copley's name shows up in the credit and i was like charlotte copley this is going to be awesome Why do we love Charteau Copley? Because he was in District 9 and he was Murdoch in the A-Team. And he's been around. He's a South African actor. And this one was shot in South Africa. I'm with it with Charlotte Copley. And he was in Elysium and stuff. He's great. He was going to be the big thing. 
out of South Africa. I'm not sure if that's a thing or if he's a thing, but he's there, and I was happy to see him. He was Uncle Jim Bob or whatever. <laughs> Uncle Martin? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about in Beast. He was Uncle Martin. Yeah. The girls only persist to call him by his formal title until he dies. Yeah. Uncle Martin. And I knew some of the stuff was going to be CG Lion, but they hop down or whatever, and he's hugging the lions in the in the pride right by where they're staying or whatever, and or where they first you know end up. And I was like, those are CG lions, I'm pretty sure. But the fact that I couldn't tell, whereas there was not a single frame of bear or any other animal in prey that I wasn't like, dude, that's awful. It's hard, you know, to have them stalking around in any other movie is great, but to interact and have those BCG lions and hugging and stuff, I was like, that's actually fairly okay. And my eyesight isn't great. And we watched this in 4K, but it was more that the lion didn't do stuff that was maybe as realistic as I would have liked. But in terms of visual presentation, I was like, I, I can hang with this lion. This is all right. I'm telling you, man, this feels like a no budget movie. Like get out there, right? And like scream and stuff and we'll put Put the lion in later and it'll be all good. And I'm pretty sure that the director, Baltazar Komakur, I can't pronounce his name, but I'm pretty sure they gave him a shoestring budget. Let's say it's $50 million. And he was like, guys, guys, 25 for the lion. That's it. That's what we're doing. Go, go do it. They must have put most of the budget into the lion and that car crash scene. And I think it works. You think it works? Yeah. Do you feel like, oh, that's terrible CG effects? As long as we know we're going there. I thought the lion was pretty decent. Am I being too generous between this and Hocus Pocus? Am I like, I love bad CG now. <laughs> well, you're normally such a stickler for it when I'm like, I don't really care. Like, I know the lion's fake, so right? I'm not expecting it to be perfect. I did think that the lion performance was a little chewy. The lion's always licking its chops and shaking and strutting and stuff. Yeah. Like I thought the lion could throw it away a little bit more. That's, that's the dinosaur flex, like the raptors coming in the kitchen. They got to do like animal type stuff. Yeah, they got to do the barky call to one another and like nip at their necks and yeah. stuff. But I, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I know it's fake, so it's whatever. So I just was like, uh, I'm not looking forward to Wes talking about the lion CG endlessly. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Okay. I mean, this is what you do. If you're going to go creature feature, if the thing is called beast, that's where you put your funds and resources. Right. So you're saying that on the screen, it looks like they dedicated the appropriate amount of resources to the lion, the hero, the titular character. For what this is, yes. And now that's a curious thing for you to say, because they are definitely detractors of this film. Nobody's really come down on its special effects, and I think that is deserved. I think it's it deserves to pass muster in terms of the visual effects. But people had a lot of questions about, are we supposed to... <laughs> the characters make such bad decisions... Do we almost want to root for the lion? But uh, I'm not sure that the lion was, as you put it, I don't know how naturalistic it was. Is the lion the, the hero? Well, the villain. Okay, so it's primary antagonist. And in that way, the other lions eventually that come to their rescue could be the heroes. They're the huggy lions, man. Yeah, the huggy lions are established at the top. And then very conveniently, Mare, the older daughter, spells it out for us as Idris Selba convalesces in his hospital bed. Yep. You, you knew that the other lions would protect their pride. Right. We started off with a, you know, a, a fairly typical, it's dark and there's an alien out there and you got guns and you're in someone else's world. And then the lions pick you apart one by one, right? Mm -hmm. Singing of Alien Covenant. 
And I like that stuff. Like you hear the growls out in the darkness, but you can't trust your eyes and all you have is guns. And so the cold open, I was like, okay, we're jumping right into it. And then we don't jump into anything else for like 30 minutes. And this is only a 90 minute movie. So they're like hanging out in their casita and they're like drinking beer and reminiscing about the wife. And I was like, nothing is happening. Oh, Wi-Fi joke, you know? And it takes a long time. <laughs> it's not like there's a surprise lion attack. They have to safari out to where the lions are. And I'm like, man, we needed that cold open to remind us that this is a lion movie. And so he went on about, you know, I failed those girls and stuff and their mother. And, you know, we separated. And there's the family, obligatory family drama and stuff. But I was really worried that when they set up the female, the lioness, and as the hunters and the man protects the pride, I thought that mom was going to reincarnate as a female lion and take down the antagonist lion. And then at the end, he's about to die. And then Clever Girl <laughs> leaps out of the out of the, the grass and takes down the lion. And the girls will be like, Mom? And she like roars proudly and nuzzles them on her way back to the savanna. Wow. Are you reaching for some South African reincarnation voodoo or something? They talked about the mom enough. And I was like, this mom, like family drama discord thing, this is going to pay off, right? And I thought it was going <laughs> to be like the mom was like a lion, like the mom was a bear and brave and ultimately saved, <laughs> saved them. <laughs> I was worried because of how <laughs> you're bracing yourself for this the whole time. Yeah. The way the cheesy opening sequence ended with the stupid jaws around the camera, that terrible CD. I thought this was going to be that. I was worried anyway. But for the very at the very least, we we're waiting for the show to start. And I knew that we were OK while Shalto Copley was alive. It's like, well, Uncle Bob has to die before we get into lion drama. Right. And so while he was still mm. around, I was like, yeah, we're OK. Yeah, he dies a pretty noble death. He thinks he's taking the lion out with him. He didn't. I mean, didn't he? No, he tried. What we, The only thing he achieved was to make the lion all burnt and more scary looking. That's true. But he thought that he was going to take him out with him. Yeah. And how the lion escaped is, is beyond me. He's super lion. He's cyborg lion. <laughs> the poachers have been genetically modifying and, and cloning lions. And yep. he was like their rogue specimen. Yeah, a weird alien lion. <laughs> You know, it was funny when he when we reveal that Charto Copley, when we reveal that Uncle Martin survives the car rolling down the hill, I totally expected him to be like, back in the car again, except he dies. I'm telling you, this is uh, they could have done a nice little nod. But he I think it's fa it's a fairly noble death and it was necessary. It's not like they're going to go on. He was a little unutilized, I thought, in an alien sense or even in the edge sense. There should have been some kind of a twist. There should have been a character twist with Uncle Martin, right? And they kind of seeded it where they're drinking in the garden or whatever. He's like, I'm just coming out with it. Why didn't you come to the funeral? Yeah. And he's like, I didn't want to see her laid to rest in a place that she wouldn't want to be. So there was obviously some tension there. And I think that could have been exploited further. Yeah. You think he was leading them out into the bush? You know, we know he's an anti-poacher. I guess we get a little bit of new information from the poachers themselves saying that Uncle Martin was responsible for the death of three poachers. So technically he's kind of a murderer. But I think there could have been more there. I think that may be the general sentiment for this movie. It's an R rating, and, and some of the critics have suggested that it didn't do anything with that R. I think I told you before that one of Kelly Ray's irrational fears in life is that she's going to be eaten by a big cat. So even watching Beast was a tough sell. I couldn't get her to do it in the theater when we were hard up for Saturday Morning Movie Club. And so getting her to sit down, I had to tell her, look, we're reviewing this movie. You're going to watch it with me or not? And she's like, I'll watch it. And man. 
and she was tense and like doing little twitchies when the lion when they're under the car and stuff and the lion's trying to get at them. She was like physically reacting to the lion attack. Was that her ilurophobia or was that the success of Beast? <laughs> I guess both. But, uh, you know, if there were twists and stuff to be had, it was, I feel like this movie was very linear. They go out, they find the lion, they get away, the lion finds them, they can't get away anymore, so they fight the last fight. If there were twists to be had and suspense, it was the dumb things that the family did or the strangely unrealistic things that the lion did, like the choices that they made. And I get it that you're trying to get suspense. And how do you get Idris Elba close to the lion where you're like holding your breath and, oh my God, is the lion going to find him right under the log in the water? Does the water mask his scent enough, you know, predator style or whatever? And... And so I get that you had to have those things or right above him in a tree where the lion. I think that this was a disabled lion. Yeah, I think they busted up his nose in the first scuffle. And so it couldn't smell. Its eyesight wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> and and so the, it's kind of mean that they're sort of mocking this lion's inability, like taunting him by just why well, I, I say him because I definitely saw lion balls. And you the, did? Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I guess not only is he he's the apex predator, but he's like the that's his job is to do lionesses. Yeah, and you have the the shaggy mane or whatever, and and so the definitely male lion, but that's most of the criticism for this movie is how the lion didn't act very lion like, and it wasn't. It was a dude in a gray suit named like Robert or something. And the reactions, of course, because I thought this was going to be much more Cujo, like stay in the car at all costs. If you leave the car, you die kind of vibe. But of course, they found excuses. Like, I don't know what you think you're going to do for Uncle Martin. But when she gets out of the car and then the lion is on the ridge there, he says to her, doesn't he get away from the car? Like, leave the car because the lion is coming to the car. And that's how she ends up on on Death Island with Uncle Martin. Yeah, but, you know. Mayor's got conviction, man. Yeah. And so the setting shifted and that was good. They were first on safari and then they were out in the bush and then they were trapped in the car, but then they were trapped in the house or whatever and running around. So it felt like it, this movie moved. It wasn't just a stuck in a car kind of foggy windows kind of movie. They found excuses, but were the excuses justified or were they just really bad behavior and bad decisions made by primarily the two daughters? So you know how people are criticized sometimes for yelling at the movie screen or whatever? Well, it's horrible when you're in a movie theater, and I don't condone that behavior at all. But it was kind of fun to watch this movie, and both Kelly and I are yelling at the screen. It's like, oh, what are you doing? Get the gun! Get. She's not going to get. The, he's not going to get the gun. Get the gun. There's like seven poachers. Each one has a gun. They're all dead, and he's like looking for the keys or something. You got to Rambo up, man, and go after that lion. Yeah, so the daughter, I think it's Nora, puts the tranquilizer dart in the lion's butt. That was a pretty bold and smart move. Oh, my God. Kelly Ray was yelling. She's like, good girl. That's how you do it. <laughs> so heroic moment for the Nora character. Why don't they find the lion when it's down, put a couple extra tranks in it, or maybe shoot the thing? That's what I said. Shoot it again. But I think that last dart was the last dart. Take a, a tree branch or a rock and you take care of the big cat. 
God. Well, I wasn't talking about bludgeoning, but I guess you got to do what you got to do. Of course. Right. You take care of the cat while it's down. I think they had other business to tend to, but I can't imagine what would have been more important in that moment. Yeah. I mean, maybe the lion wasn't monstery enough. He wasn't uh, immortal enough or something. He wasn't a true big cat to them. So they like figured, you know, we got a couple hours. We can get the car. We can get out of here. couple hours. They, they're like, we have 15 minutes. Let's talk about mom some more. <laughs> So that was a bad call on their part. Take out the lion. You have the opportunity to take him out. Yep. And then later, they're in the school. They're in a structure that has to have at least one safe room, like with a door that works. There's What school doesn't have an office? He can't go and put his girls in the office and close the door. No way. Unless lions learn how to open doors. Yeah, they didn't They didn't close any doors. Yes, especially the outside doors. Apparently, they just have curtains in South African schools. But is it really necessary for Idris Elba to lead, not only lead the lion out, but like to have hand-to-hand, hand-to-paw combat with it? Yeah, man, that's how you do. Didn't you see the gray with Liam Neeson? No. Yeah. I saw the gray man. No. That's what you do, man. All, all you're doing is you're leading the lion away from the kids because the scent of blood was in the air, man. Westernuts got hurt and he had to draw the lion away. And if that's outside, so be it. He's Idris Elba. Doesn't mean you have to have a knife fight with the lion. Sure you do. That's the preferred weapon when dealing with lions is a little baby dagger. Idris Elba basically just stands his ground and waits for the lion to attack him. Yep. So he can knife him. Yeah. And the lions are like, hey, free show. <laughs> yeah, they they take their time getting involved. I think they, they want Idris Elba to do a little damage, loosen the lid a little bit before they come in and pop it open. So question about that. Obviously, we want the benevolent T-Rex to come in at the end and save uh, Grant and Ellie and the kids from the raptors. But... Did Idris Elba's character ingratiate himself enough with the lions? So was it purely a territorial like threat that they needed to take out like they set up early on in the movie? Or had he ingratiated himself enough? Like once they took care of the lion, if he were hurt so that he couldn't get up and stumble away, I think he collapsed against that tree branch and woke up in the hospital. Did they like come over and lick his wounds and like protect him and stand guard until authorities arrived? Or would they have eaten him after they ate the lion? Oh, because he didn't hug the lions. They were like, you want to cuddle? And he's like, no, thank you. But if he had hugged the lion and gotten all like, if he had been all Uncle Martin's buddy and they're like, hey, we know not to hurt Uncle Martin's buddy, then maybe it would have been justified and they're protecting him. But I don't think they were protecting him. I think they were neutralizing the threat to their turf. I agree. Idris Elba had not ingratiated himself like Uncle Martin had. He was simply, yeah, yeah, mobilizing them against the threat that was in their territory. That all being said, Idris Elba, you probably heard in the audio that as he's passing out on the log in the savannah or whatever, Banji, Banji finally comes. Yep. Where are the girls? That's right. So the cavalry finally show up and are equipped to actually help in this situation. And you know that we're in good hands with that dude because he's all about the kid, right? The kids? Yeah. You, well, you didn't. I mean, he was like making eyes at the girl, at the daughter. Ew, when? You didn't think so? They didn't have that little no. thing where like, 
Oh, Ban- is that his name, Banji? Banji. Banji. The Banji. man of Banji said so or whatever. And they were all like putting their heads together and all like cutesy. I thought maybe Banji had like a thing for the mom or something. Like they had history. But I don't think he was oogling the girls. So you talked about a vindictive lion as opposed to the huggy lions. There's different kinds of lions. But it was like it's got a taste of man flesh, the ghost in the darkness style. This lion was a particular bastard, right? Yeah, except I should note that Uncle Martin did make a comment about how he doesn't eat his kills, which is unusual for an alliance. Right, for a that's lion. what it he's is. Just, he's got bloodthirst. He doesn't have, like, flesh hunger. And you can do that if you kill, you know, the threat or whatever you perceive to be a threat to you. You kill everything and then go back and eat it later. But it wiped out, it decimated that entire camp of Uncle Martin's buddies and left the tasty goats alive. That's not very Jurassic Park. You're right. The farm animals are just chilling. Yep. And didn't run. They're like, oh, man, that was rough. I guess it's got its fill, so it's not going to come back. So with the Jurassic Park parallels, I was fully expecting there to be two of them. Even though that was done in the Ghost in the Darkness spoiler, I was fully expecting. They think they've got it cornered or whatever, and then the other one pounces out and takes Uncle Martin. But it never happened. And I think they knew all that stuff. No twists. They would, then it would be beasts. But it's preternaturally aware and intelligent because the dude comes lurching out of the jungle or whatever and he's all bloody. And I was like, how did this dude get away? Is he the bait? Was the lion? And then later on when Uncle Martin f- finds his buddy on the road all bloody, was that dude left alive as bait? Didn't Uncle Martin say, if I didn't know any better, I'd say I'm the bait when he's on like Death Island? He does say that, but it's not like the lion was discerning or prejudiced against poachers. It was basically any anybody on two legs. He killed, he decimates the village, right? He kills the poachers. He wants to kill the family. They're not there to poach. Uncle Martin's an anti-poacher, for goodness sake. Yeah, but I'm saying, did the lion maim some people and leave them alive to draw in the other people? Maybe, but does it really matter? It seemed like it. It was hunting humans. Specific- well, we don't know. Because this is an alien CG lion and it doesn't follow lion rules any more than the people follow common sense people rules. Maybe this was a super <laughs> a super hunter lion who knows about bait and stuff. Well, I think he gets supercharged with whatever is going on. And if it wasn't from the genetic modifications of the poachers, then it's just hate-fueled superchargedness because that lion is on a mission. But isn't it a little bit counterintuitive? If the message of this movie is poaching bad, don't you want to make the lions a little bit more sympathetic? Don't You don't want to make lions into monsters. Doesn't that prevent you from wanting to protect them against the poachers? Well, I mean, if this were our only lion represented in the film and it was like an all-out vindictive monster, that like a f- fireproof monster, a fire-resistant monster, <laughs> then maybe. But we had the kindly lions in the pride who would protect their territory or whatever. Now it's fine. He's super huggy and he just ate. They just ate and, you know, we're okay. And as such, you can make one evil as long as you have the others to offset. But I think poaching is, at least for Charlotte Copley's character in this world, just a circumstance of everyday life. 
Like, I don't know that it was a commentary necessarily. I think it was a given that poachers were bad because those poachers were bad. And, you know, it had its R rating that it never took too far, but it wasn't unnecessarily gory. It wasn't, you know, an American werewolf in London tearing people limb from limb and stuff. And so in that way, it exercised some restraint in the same way that we talked about the other movie where, you know, the poachers are bad, but not too bad because they don't attempt to rape the daughters. Are you talking about Lost City where they weren't rapey? Right. So these weren't rapey poachers any more than the the lion was like in it for the gore. But didn't you, weren't you kind of worried when they opened the door and saw two young women in there? I I mean, I guess they didn't have much time to think about that because they saw Uncle Martin. But the movie didn't go there is what I'm saying. No, that's true. To answer your earlier question, the poachers were bad. They just weren't unnecessarily bad. They were bad enough to get eaten to bring another truck into the scenario. They were also bad enough to, like, not help. When the villager is found on the road, Idris Elba risks his his life and the life of his daughters to get a medical kit so that he can start performing CPR on the villager in the middle of the road. However, when the poacher is when the poacher is moaning and being and making like wet noises all up in the swamp, like uh, uh," Idris Elba, like, yep, sorry about this, bud, takes his keys and gun and runs. So apparently the poachers are also too bad to act to also try and save. Yeah, no, they were just a means to deliver guns and vehicles. But I did note that when they're terrified and trapped in the thing all night and he starts to like hallucinate and dream and there's like another lady in the Jeep. And I was like, what? Then they show up and he's like, "Okay, wait here, guys. And he leaves the truck. And I'm still like, what are you doing? You know, it's like right outside waiting to lie and waiting to, to jump out in ambush. But he trusts that there are now other people around with guns and gets out of the truck and confidently walks up to them to head them off to let them know the situation. There's some in, some trust in the other humans because why was it OK at that moment to get out of the truck and walk over there? You don't know what's happening. Good point. He has to get out and go and sweet talk them so that they, he can save the reveal of the fallen soldier and, and the stakes. The girl, the daughters are functions of their dad, and they're also the stakes of the movie, and they're also the reason that they get into a lot of sticky situations. I'm very sorry. I did not remember either of those names. I didn't pay attention to the daughters' names. They were just there. I wasn't sure which one was which. They were just kind of there. And as long as they were okay, Idris Elba was okay, except he wasn't because he got mauled to shit at the end of this movie. Like he was in a bad. I was like, okay, in every, okay, obviously the lions are going to come to his aid. You might want to hurry it up because it's like it bit him on the side and bit him on the back and bit him on the arm and bit him on the leg and bit him on the neck. And I was like, guys, he's going to bleed out. A lot of blood. And that was the worst mauling that we saw, I guess. Uh, yeah, by far and unnecessary. He didn't even try to protect himself. He was like, mano y mano, let's do it. Yeah, that's what you got to do. He bears the scars uh, from his family trauma, and now they're going to be physical scars. I mean, I guess it's, at least it's a little bit more realistic with Idris Elba as compared to Anthony Hopkins. You you expect that Idris Elba is going to, like, throw down? You had Alec Baldwin in the mix, too, and Alec Baldwin is a literal murderer. Stop it. Sorry. That was a reference to The Edge for Man versus Nature. But Idris Elba is kind of like the two of them mix. He's the capable guy, but he's also the smart guy. And 
he uses all of his medical knowledge to get through basically two bad nights in the savannah. Yeah, it's a good thing. Although you'd think he would have like put out his extremity. He had the foresight to put the thing in the lion's mouth to prevent it from biting him some of the time or whatever. But you'd think to protect his you know vital internal organs and stuff. You mean the knife? He put the knife in the in the jaws or whatever? At one point, he put something else in the jaws. And it might have been the rifle. I'm not really sure. No, because he left the rifle because it was out of bullets. But they didn't mangle him. And that's in direct contradiction to what some of the reviewers are saying. Like, hey, you have the R rating. This should have been way more gory and actually scary. It was like kind of a middle of the road action. Not really horror, but scary suspense, man versus nature kind of movie. I mean, Jurassic Park, for goodness sake, is a PG-13 rating. Yeah, Gennaro gets eaten right off the toilet, and you could hear the crunching sounds. What we didn't talk about was the camera work, which I liked. I found that the camera work was really effective. At first, it didn't track right for me. Uh, like It was like video game cutscenes, especially with the poacher, poacher thing, but I liked the camera work in, in a kind of children of men sort of way. It wasn't obnoxious though, or like the Revenant where it has to be like masquerading as one continuous shot. But there were some really long shots, mostly focused on Idris Elba in a relatively tight frame. The claustrophobic sort of framing where the camera is just dancing around Idris Elba. And then when it pans across the open door in the school, you're like, is there a lion in the frame yet? Is there a lion in the door yet? And you get like the glimpse of the lion's butt through the window or through the mm -hmm. frosted glass or whatever. Keeping right. really tight on him kind of limited our frame in an it follows way and our inability to track the lion, which made it scary because this is the kind of movie where it can come from out of frame at any moment. Pretty effective. And so in that way, it was suspenseful while being very careful and focused with their camera work. I think it was intentional. And that was the best part of it. They talked about so much of this movie being filmed on Steadicam. And not to say that there weren't cheats or edits 1917 style, but it was enough so that it wasn't annoying or distracting. Did I think that the lion reacted naturally? No. Did I think that the kids and, and Idris Elba did natural things in, you know, in the course of trying to survive? No, but I had kind of a fun time with the suspense and yelling at them for the dumb stuff that they did from the comfort of my own home streaming this movie on Peacock. What's your final rating? Well, I'm not going to hate this movie, man. I'm not going to tear it apart. I don't know that it elevated the genre. I'll probably forget about it. But creature feature type things are fun. The CG wasn't terrible. Also, I feel kind of bad because I like Idris Elba. I think the whole world likes Idris Elba, albeit for different reasons. But, uh, $36 million budget and worldwide $36 million pull. That's not really enough. We're not going to see Beast 2. It's got probably another $60 million at least before it would have turned a profit. I feel kind of bad about that and skipping it in the theaters, but I was happy to watch it and I'm going to give it an official all right rating. All right. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I, you know, um, it's effectively shot. It's not format over function. The long takes, the tracking, the steady cam shots are, are actually really well done and most importantly, really well paced. Like I was really impressed how they were able to keep the action going at a good clip in these long take, highly choreographed shots. So definitely kudos to our director and the filmmaking team there. The problem is... The yeah, problem what? is. What's the problem? The problem is the function. This delivers on one promise and it's a very simple one, right? It's... <laughs> 
it's man eater, it's creature feature, it's monster in the savanna, and everything after that is pretty expected. Idris Elba's not going to die. He's going to have his heroic moment. The daughters are going to muck things up and make enough problems for him that he can rise to the occasion and be our hero. But you know what? I'm good with that. It didn't try and be something it was. It didn't extend itself unnecessarily. It didn't try and inject and infuse it with all this drama and extra narrative. It just kind of was what it was. And for what it was, it was enjoyable. And there you've got it. An all right from Wes, a good from Iris. That's our discussion on Beast. Available on Peacock. If you enjoyed this discussion, subscribe to our podcast, support us on Patreon, follow us on Instagram, and hit us up, 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.